the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And that's what's taking place here. Somebody who receives Jesus Christ is placing their personal seal that what God says is true. They recognize the heavenly origin of Jesus Christ, the revelation of God in Christ, and they're proclaiming their deep conviction that God is true. Welcome back to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. If you're new to the broadcast, you can find out more about us at studyversebyverse.com or the church's website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Pastor Leighton is continuing in the book of John. He's in the third chapter, and we'll pick up almost at the very end. Verse 34, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. If you have your own Bible, you might want to underline the words without measure. If you're using a pew Bible, you can still underline the words without measure. Without measure, without anything being held back, full measure. You see, the Jews believed that the prophets of God received a certain measure of the Spirit of God. And there's allusions in the New Testament to the same thing, that that gifts are apportioned to us as the Spirit wills. But when it comes to describing Christ, Christ is given the Spirit without measure, without limit. Now, in the Hebrew mind, the Spirit of God had two functions. First, it revealed God's truth to men. And then second, it enabled men to recognize and understand the truth when it came. And so to say that the Spirit was on Jesus in the most complete and perfect way is to say that He perfectly knew and perfectly understood the truth of God. Or to put it another way, that to listen to Jesus is to listen to the very voice of God. Now, the mutual love between the Father and Son is a theme that is throughout the gospel. It pictures for us uh, Jesus, the Son, and His Father being in perfect unity. And so one of the points that the author is making here is that that relationship between Father and Son guarantees that what the Son says is true and guarantees that what the Son desires will be accomplished, that the Father is empowering the Son and that the Father has placed all things into His hands, which means that when people come to Christ, we are coming to God, that He acts as God's full and complete and perfect representative. Verse 36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Okay? People who put their trust in Christ are reborn from above. They, they have a new life, an eternal life. It's not that they're going to avoid death, but rather they're going to go through death to live again eternally. You notice that we, those who have believed already have it. The word has is in the past 
tense. Now, we've talked about one of the styles of the author uh, in weeks past where he says something twice. He'll say it in a positive way, and he says it again in a negative way in order to reinforce it. Listen to what he, he, he does that here, but he puts a little twist on it. He says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Now, we would think that if he was repeating it in the negative fashion, he would say something like, whoever does not believe in the Son does not have eternal life, but that's not what he says. Look at what he says. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. What the author is telling us here is that our faith and our conduct are closely linked, that faith affects action, that if we believe that Jesus is God and that God is to be obeyed, then we will obey Jesus. Belief produces obedience. If we don't believe, we're not going to obey, and we will continue under the wrath of God. God's wrath remains on him. You know, there are literally hundreds of passages throughout the Scriptures about the wrath of God. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And what the author here is saying is is we should not expect it to fade away with the passage of time. He tells us that his wrath remains in fact, some places say that we're, some people are storing up wrath. It's not going away. It's not fading. It's growing. And, and the fact that we're saved suggests we're saved from something, something terrible. What are we saved from? We are saved from the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is produced by our sin. So finally here then, the author sets before men to make a choice, an eternal choice between life and death. It's done several times in the Scriptures. For instance, Moses said in Deuteronomy, See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. That challenge was repeated by Joshua in Joshua 24. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And what the author is telling us here in this gospel is make a choice. Either believe or continue under the wrath of God. Now, there's lots of application that we can glean from this passage. I think one of the things that struck me in in reading it through was how wisely John the Baptist handled the what was perceived as a conflict by his disciples between his ministry and Jesus' ministry. You see, believers are people, and people have a tendency to make value judgments based on some distinguishing feature. Uh, Women might compare themselves uh, with another woman and and make a value judgment based on uh, dress or something else. Men might make it on the title of their job or their car or something like that. And this tendency to compare ourselves with others tends to slip into the Christian life as well. Christians tend to compare themselves with others, even in aspects of ministry, and they make value judgments based on some distinguishing mark. Some might say, well, that person over there is more popular than I am, or that person has a bigger Sunday school class or a bigger small group or something like that. Uh, It can happen amongst pastors where pastors say, oh, that pastor has a larger church or that pastor has a smaller church. 
And, and, the, and the devil, when I say that, he and his cohorts love to cause whatever division they can. And there's this natural tendency to want to gain some idea of our value based on what we perceive as the value of others. And we have a tendency, we either overestimate our value and go around thinking arrogant thoughts like how fortunate this church is to have me as one of the church members here, or how fortunate God is to have me on His team. Don't know what He'd do without me. You know, there's that extreme. But there's also the other extreme, which people can have as well. Man, I don't have the skills of that person. I don't have the spiritual gifts of that person. I don't measure up to that person. I'm worthless. So I might as well just sit and warm a pew, because that's all I'm good for. You know, either extreme takes a believer out of where they should be, out of what, what they were made to do. And, and, it, and, and the, both extremes should be avoided. What we need to do as believers is understand God has given us, each one of us as believers, at least one spiritual gift. And we need to find that spiritual gift, and we need to use that spiritual gift for the glory of God. And when we do, then Christ's church is going to grow. You know, some people... They don't start because they don't measure up to their own expectations. There are some people who say, well, you know, I want, to start at the, I want to start by being a preacher. And my first week, I want to preach to thousands. Is that going to happen? Okay, well, I'm not starting at all. You know, we don't, we don't even start because we don't measure up to some idea, some concept that, that we have. I was talking with a man this week. He's starting a men's Bible study. Praise the Lord. Uh, is there two or 20 in the Bible study? Don't know. doesn't matter. You know, if there's 20, great. If there's two that are growing in their knowledge and love for God, great. You know, the point is, is he's stepping out of his comfort zone. He's making himself available. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something for God. And that's what we, we need to do as believers. Every believer has been called to, to, to a ministry, and every believer should be looking to find that ministry that God has made them for. If you're thinking about that, I'd love to talk with you about it. Um, We'd love to have you come to the membership class so you can understand how the Church of the Highlands works as a body working together. And and, uh, then Pastor Abner has classes. We want to find spiritual gifts. We want every member to find their spiritual gift and be active in it. And then, should the Lord tarry, Uh, Our plans are to begin our study next week of John chapter 4, this most fascinating uh, discussion uh, between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. Amen. Amen. Lord, we are so thankful for your word that provides such clarity to us. It tells us everything we need to know about everything that is important. Lord, it's because of your word that we can understand why things are the way they are around us. And Lord, if it wasn't for your word, it would be up to our imaginations, and we can't trust our imaginations to make sense out of it. But Lord, you've given us everything that we need. And Lord, you have loved us with an incredible love to adopt us as your very own children, to prepare a place where we're going to enjoy you for all of eternity. And Lord, until that time when you take us home to our eternal rewards, you have given us a purpose in living in this world. 
You have given us a ministry. You've given us a calling. You've given us the uh, opportunities to share the gospel with coworkers and neighbors and strangers. Lord, I would ask that this week, this coming week, you bring somebody across our path that you have prepared to hear the gospel message. And then, Lord, we ask you to prompt us when that person is brought across our path so we can open our mouths. And, Lord, when we open our mouths, we ask you to put your words in our mouth so that the words that they hear are words from God. And, Lord, you can do all of this because you can do anything. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Have you ever prayed that kind of prayer? Do you believe that God answers prayer? Well, pray that prayer and see what happens in the next day or two. You've been listening to Pastor Leighton Sheely and his study in the book of John. And we'll pick up with a new message in the series tomorrow. All of the messages are on our website at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Join us tomorrow at this same time when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse. This broadcast is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.